little bit. Hello, Andrew. Morning, Cameron. You know, some people want to live on a tropical island. I know. They just want to bask in the heat. Yes. Not me. No? <laughs> Actually, I'm happy living on a temperate island. <laughs> Someone said to me uh, yesterday, wouldn't it be great, you know, they were, they were saying, gee, this heat's lovely. Wouldn't it be great if we had another month of summer in Tasmania? Um, and I said, wouldn't it be great if we had a month of summer in Tasmania? Yes. <laughs> that was last week. And <laughs> yeah, we got well, it. Well, Man, oh man, uh, I was just, you know, we were talking just off air before that um, it's something really strange about the heat, isn't it? Mm. It just takes it out of you. It's really interesting. Oh, I was yeah. watching the tennis as probably everyone else was last uh, last night, yesterday. Just to, those poor players, man, oh man, playing in 40, 41 degrees yeah, I know. centigrade oh. and... I got out on the court yesterday afternoon. Oh, it was, did you? Was th- it was only 34. Who were you th- playing? You know, 34 in Tasmania feels like about 40 in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's because of the, the whole ozone thing and all the rest of it. And uh, I thought, man, oh, man, you wouldn't want to be out here for too long. Uh, well, some of these guys were out there yesterday. Some of those matches went four and a half. Yeah, well, that was young Australian, I think, uh, was on. It was about four hours he lost. Well, I think, what did he win? I can't remember anyway. He looked, they both looked exhausted by yeah, the end of it. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, uh, Kyrgios. Yes. Kyrgios, uh, he, he actually ended up winning in the yeah, fifth set. But, that's right. Uh, he was severely cramping in both his uh, thigh and his calves. And you think, well, you know, part of you thinks, well, gee, man, you know, condition up, you know, get fit. And then you realise, <laughs> yes. wait a minute, these guys are premium these are these are elite athletes and yeah. they are struggling in 40 41 degrees heat and even last night they're playing you know at night time in 38 degrees just incredible yeah. so there's something really really weird about heat I, I know the few times that i've been in extreme heat uh, i was in shepherd in victoria i used to live there and um, sometimes the temperature got well over 40 in fact the lo- one of the last times i was there it was forty-five degrees, Cameron. Wow. Forty-five yeah. degrees. You know, I just you just stand up and just feel like lying down again straight away because it's just really, really interesting exactly. how it zaps it out yes. of you. So I'm I'm actually really pleased that we we only get this occasionally. We mm. we bask in a fairly temperate climate, which I personally love. I think that's just great, and we we get these on the rare occasions, and it's not. I mean, they're forecasting um, sunny. Yeah, and it doesn't uh, look that way at the moment. Between, they, yeah. uh, now, Cameron, I noticed that our our regular listener. I'm going to take a photo of our regular listener and put it on uh, Facebook or something. Is oh back. yeah, yeah. You just you he came in just, just before you just, just hopped here, around man. in We're the last couple. Name. Do we have a name? I think Wilma. But to her because she, oh, she she's carrying a joey around. Oh, so it's a joey around. It. All right. Well, I'm going yeah. to take a photo of Wilma. We have. We, she's been uh, sleeping in a little hidey hole or, or nestling in from the shade the last couple of days. Okay. Yeah. Well, <coughs> Absolutely fantastic. Wilma is uh, again joined us. Yes. And uh, Wilma <laughs> the Wallaby. There yes. she goes. She's. She's obviously run off Cameron to get a better position to listen in on the program. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Otherwise, she'd be probably a bit scared of you, I think. She probably saw you and took off. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so, uh, today, Cameron, despite the 12 variations that I heard on today's Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was keeping everybody in suspense. Yeah, <laughs> We're going to be talking about how to build a home with no money. And 
uh, I, I, I heard one of the variations I heard was uh, you know how to buy a house with no money, uh, how to build a house with no money, how to I build a house. I didn't say with no I'll cost. buy a house. Uh, <laughs> Cameron, <laughs> we had the evidence. It's all <laughs> on file. But anyway, the, uh, the, the 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 idea here is that a, that there is a difference between a house and a home, and a house is just where you happen to live. Mm. A home is where you belong. And ideally, we're going to see that a home is, is where you belong because it's not the building, it's not about the bricks and the mortar that makes it you know, the place where you belong. It's the people there. And Cameron, uh, I know that you're in a, a, a state of singlehood. And yes. uh, for a long time, I was in a state of singlehood. In fact, up until about the age of 20, 223 I actually thought I was going to be single for the rest of my life and I was quite prepared for that and emotionally prepared and psychologically prepared but I know as as I I talk with others as well that even in um, those times when I was you know relatively content there was still this kind of thing niggling at the back of going gee it'd be nice to share all this with someone it'd be nice to share life with someone and if, then eventually God did bring uh, Kim into my life and life has been heaven on earth ever since and there is something wonderful about having a place where you belong because there are people there or a person there that you belong with and that's what that's what constitutes a home Cameron as I look at the the news each night and you know we read the newspapers of some of the the tragic things that happen around Tasmania as someone who is blessed with a home, I am blessed with a wonderful wife. I'm blessed with four great children, two of which still live at home. Uh, one uh, has, has uh, married now and lives really, really close to us. Uh, that I, I just think I am blessed. I am really blessed. And there are people obviously around our state who are not blessed in that way because you, you read of some of the horrific things that happen in people's homes uh, well you, you could hardly call them a home when you, you've got such some of these things happening such as abuse and domestic violence and and some of the things that go on I, I don't need to be too descriptive and Cameron as I look at these things that happen around our state and I see the state talk about solving these problems by increasing policing and increasing uh, criminal penalties and uh, directing more targeted programs at the coalface of uh, you know um, uh, street gangs and and all the rest of it I think aren't we missing the point here isn't isn't there a, a big elephant in the room here that yeah there is me no sorry <laughs> <laughs> that people are missing and and it comes down to the Tasmanian home. What what are we doing to promote home life? Cameron, the home is a place for rest. It's it's not just a place for sleep. It's not just, uh, when I say rest, I don't just mean it's the place where, you know, you can get grab 40 winks. Rest means to to come away from the, the daily grind, the daily activity. And the daily activity is not just your work. I, I'm, again, one of those few people that is just utterly blessed. I have 
the best job in the world. I, I am energized by my job. Even, even the, the difficult and tough bits of my job energize me. So I'm really, really blessed. But we all need to come away from that. We all need to switch off and rest. So that's what I mean by rest. And that's, that's where uh, a home provides rest. A home is that safe place. So I guess in the old days, if we were sort of back in medieval times, we'd, we'd have turrets on our houses and we'd have, you know, moats and we'd have <laughs> all kinds of things around to give the picture of safety. And a place where you can rest is a safe place. And that's what a home should be. And Cameron, there are far too many homes now, and I mean far too many homes now, where children are growing up, where home for them is not a safe place. It's not a place of rest. It's not a place of safety. It's not a place where they could, they could say, you know, my memories of my childhood home are pleasant and sweet. Well, Cameron, I, I, I know that for many people who are listening to us now, right across Tasmania, we've got people listening right across the north of Tasmania live on 105.3 and 98.1. We've also got people listening down in the south right now. We can tell from our our uh, internet traffic at logs all this that who are listening right now via the internet and then of course we've got people who are listening across the world right now via our live streaming and you, you guys can all listen in but i'm primarily talking to those people here in our own state of tasmania listening via streaming listening via our our broadcast on 105.3 98.1 that you know that we we have people where it's 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 probably too late. They they are the ones who set the tone of their home. It's too late for them. There are some people who choose to uh, live alone. Some people who, for them, that's not a choice. And I know, Cameron, that there is an ache in many a heart in that situation where they'd say, "Man, I would love to share life with someone. I would just love to." So. With that in consideration, I want to come back after our first music break, Cameron, and I, and I want to talk about what is it that makes a home. Primarily, I want to talk to those people who haven't yet left the home they're in, whether it's a good or bad home, an indifferent home, whether you've got pleasant memories there or unpleasant memories there. I want to talk in a way to those people to say, listen, you can make a home, and the home that you make is not just for your benefit, it's for the benefit of all of Tasmania. And if we can get this, Cameron, if we can get this, that whatever the temperature, whatever the temperature of the homes of Tasmania, and I don't mean temperature as in, you know, it's going to be 38 degrees today. I mean the temperature of warmth, love, acceptance, forgiveness, all of those things. If that temperature can be different with the next generation, I tell you what, Tasmania is going to take off in every possible way for its benefit. Let's come back after this first break. Okay, more with Dr. Andrew Corbett after this. Boys to Men featuring uh, Shante Moore from a movie called How Stella Got Her Groove Back and Your Home Is In My Heart. Fairly appropriate song for what we're talking about this morning with Dr. Andrew Corbett. And uh, it's all about uh, 
Well, you, you do it. You, you, you uh, say the, the bit better than <laughs> yeah, I, because I'm a giving... <laughs> with no money, Cameron, yes. so... I'm <laughs> doing it all the wrong thing. Yeah, well... <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to put any house builders out of business, because we're talking no, that's about right. homes as distinct from a house and uh, a home. And this is part of the point. You know, it, a home is, is a place that you may own, you, you may rent it, you, you may have even borrowed it. Uh, it's not about the bricks and mortar... Primarily, it's not about the bricks and mortar, and it's it's it is built with love. It's the yeah. place because it's the place where you belong. One of the things, Cameron, that when we we uh, moved to Tasmania eighteen, nearly nineteen years ago, we were in. By the time my daughter Ebony, who is six, or was six at the time, <laughs> she's was, not six now, uh, nearly twenty-one. As she keeps reminding us. Yes. Uh, and married too. And married. And has already given us her wish list. And <laughs> she said, sweetie, you're married now. It's your husband's responsibility. <laughs> anyway, I digress, Cameron. Um, well, but, but by the time she was six, she lived in seven homes. Uh, seven, oh, I'll call them homes, but we'll say seven houses. None of them particularly had become our home because we, 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 we were unsettled all the time. We were you know, continually renting. And it was just a um, kind of a, a difficult time because we, we didn't feel we belonged in any of them. And eventually, we were able to purchase our home only relatively recently. And that was uh, about seven and a half years ago or so. And we now have, uh, we, we moved into a house and we made some adjustments thanks to a very, very good builder. And we now have what we would consider to be our home. And so, but, but the home, even if we hadn't made those adjustments, even if we, you know, we still had the, what was for us a uh, two and a half bedroom weatherboard house that was 60, 70 years old. For us, Cameron, that would have been our home. We were fortunate enough to be able to make some adjustments to it, to, to put our stamp on it a bit, and it became a place for us where we knew, hey, this is a place where we'd like to stay for a while, and we've been there now. This is the longest, actually, we've ever been in a house, and it's just been utterly wonderful. But the, but the home is not about ownership, who owns it. It's not about you know what it's made of or where it is. It's... It's where you belong. And we need, honestly, Cameron, there are so many economic programs in Tasmania where we're dependent on government to fund them, which is just a a very subtle way of saying the taxpayer (laughs) funds it. And we we think these programs are going to solve some of the, the most glaring problems that we're facing in Tasmania. Well, I've got a way that we can solve some of the problems that our state faces without spending a cent. And all it is, is is really a matter of encouraging home life. Just let's let's give a picture of what a Tasmanian home can look like. Uh, A place where everyone belongs. We have people, Cameron, who don't have a home. They live out on the street. 
this is tragic. Yeah. This this should yeah. not be. This is really really tragic. And and people are going to go, oh man, that Andrew is so naive. He doesn't realise that you know that you get into some family breakdown situations, divorce situations, and situations, and and you know he he just obviously doesn't know how the real world works. Well, I, I do, but and this is. <laughs> This is actually my point, Cameron, that that we have far too many family breakdowns. We have families breaking down that don't need to break down. These breakdown of family, the family structure where where uh, a, a marriage uh, it, uh, because a marriage breaks down, a home breaks apart. We have dad going off here. We have mum going off here. The kids are you know between. It's it's ex- one of the most unsettling. Things in a person's life, not just a child's life, in a person's life, hmm. is to be uh, without the security that you know I'm going to go home, and my mum and dad are there. They love each other, and out of their love for each other, they love me. I feel safe. I feel secure. When you think of everything that a house is constituted by, you know a roof. At least four walls, unless you live in a triangle or a lighthouse. Uh, there's a few of those around. <laughs> then, there's, there's a triangle house down at Greens Beach. Oh, a what house? A triangle house, a shaped like a triangle. Really? It's wonderful, yeah. Okay, and I know actually now that I think about it, there's a was there an octagonal house on the way into town from uh, Riverside? We see it on the anyway. I, I, <laughs> we, digressing we again. Cameron. We love You're digressing. Yes, yes, you're missing the point. <laughs> I was going to say at least four walls, uh, apart from the triangle house, and. <laughs> A floor and ceiling and rooms and so on. And if we were to sort of break that down and go, you know, each of those things, the walls, they represent the boundaries. And mm, and yeah. children need to be raised in, a, in an environment where there are boundaries. And those, and it's, it's interesting, uh, my daughter Zoe was saying that uh, one of her friends is, you know, in a situation where mum and dad have broken up and, um, their friend, you know, goes between houses and or homes, and 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 she does not going to one of the parents because that parent treats her as if they were her daughter. And you might think, well, yeah, mm, okay. she's a parent, yes, but the other parent treats her as if she was a friend, and there are no boundaries involved in that. And there's a bit of pushback on the parent who says, no, this is your bedtime, these are the boundaries, and so on. And the other parent doesn't do that. Okay. And it's interesting that that child says, you know, I like being with the parent who gives me no boundaries. But everything that, that you can observe about the child's connection between either parent shows that they actually value the parent that is giving them boundaries. And I think this is a very common story that children will say one thing, you know, you're trying to control my life and you're, you know, you're such an ogre and you're a control freak and blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, they actually appreciate knowing exactly where the boundaries are. And this is a part of living in a home that there are, you know, a house has four walls, a home has clear walls of distinction, walls that are very clear clearly these are the boundaries that we're that we're dealing with mm. Cameron, i actually want to go through uh the 
the, the metaphorical rooms of a house after we come back from the news and talk about how each of these relate to what makes for a really nice home. Let's come back after the news and continue this discussion. Okay, well, let's uh, head into UCB News now. You're on Launceston's YFM. Great to have your company. And the wave news today, as I'm sure you're aware, very hot and mostly sunny today for Launceston. The sun isn't quite out at the moment. It's quite muggy and overcast out there, very humid. Winds north to northeasterly and light, tending northwesterly, 25 to 35 kilometres an hour in the middle of the day, and then tending northerly, 20 to 30 kilometres an hour in the evening. We've got a total fire ban for uh, northern and uh, southern regions until midnight tonight. And there's a fire winter warning for the central north as well as the Midlands and Upper Doon Valley areas. 38 is the top today in Launceston. Tomorrow, hot and mostly sunny again, 18 to 34. Very hot and partly cloudy, 18 to 35, and a possible late shower. Things cooling down a little bit as we head into the weekend and next week. Sunday, uh, Saturday, 17 to 29 degrees. Currently, we're up to 20 degrees already at um, 9.04. We're in conversation with Dr. Andrew Corbett on the subject of, I'm going to try and attempt to say this correctly now, Andrew, how to create a home without money. No. I haven't got it right. Good morning, yours as well. How to build a home with oh, yes. no money. But, but we, we, you Create, were saying... Yeah, all right. Yeah. We'll, we'll let that we, one pass. You didn't, want to, you didn't want us to upset the builders, no, so I said it that don't way. Want to, don't want to say we're building a house no. with no money, because that, no. be, that would be quite a challenge to yeah. achieve that. And I think <laughs> being, being able to recognise the difference <coughs> between a house and a home, Cameron, is a, a particularly big deal, so that we can... Understand that a home is that place where you belong, not not just the place where you live. And Tasmania is facing all sorts of social problems, and these problems that the government is is addressing with, you know, tougher criminal laws, uh, increased policing, uh, all all these government programs that cost a small fortune, and yet I'm saying, you know, look, without a cent, we can turn this around it's not going to happen overnight but we can turn it around in the next tw- literally in the next 20 years so over the next 20 years we have a vision that says that the the average tasmanian home has certain cultural traits and i think it's it is utterly possible again i i just want to point out i'm not naive here to think that that uh, every home is going to be comprised of the ideal. And, and I do want to state the ideal in a moment. And I know that there are, for many people, their story of home life is not pleasant. It's not sweet. And for many people, they, they marry with the best of intentions. They set off together to embark on building a family, which is the, the essence of building a home. And their story does not go according to the script that they had in mind. And I know that. And I work with people who are in that situation. And it's, it, it can be very, very difficult for those people. And I'm sure that those people would want to say something to the next generation that might sound like this. Don't make the mistakes I made. It, it might look cool to go out and be the party animal and get you know get smashed off your face with drugs and illicit whatever but i tell you what the the piper's got to be paid the piper has got to be paid and it will come back and it will haunt you big time 
Um, Cam and I often think in terms of how you live your life and the choices you make along the way that someone, uh, I think it was F.W. Borum, has said, you know, in life we, we get to make our choices and then it's at the end of our life that we recognise that it's our choices that make us. Yes. And the choices that you make along the way, and I do want to talk to primarily young people, so I'm talking to teenagers, people who are in their early 20s, you're about to embark on one of the greatest chapters of your life. You're about to find who you can spend your life with and how together you can build a home. And you may not come from a home where that was the story. Your story may be that your mum and dad divorced, they they ended up becoming quite hostile toward each other. You know, we call that acrimony. And for you, your story may be that you, you've said in your heart, well, I will never do that. I'll never get married. I'll never have family. I'll never do that. Well, I understand that people say all kinds of things, Cameron, in their pain. I really do. Mm. I get that. Mm. But I think that if you can just have a listen to what I've got to say and consider what I've got to say, I might be able to give you perhaps a different roadmap for what your future could look like. I, I do care about what kind of jobs our kids have in the future. I care about what kind of education our kids have in the future. I care about those things. But Cameron, I've got to tell you, they pale into woeful insignificance compared to whether, whether our kids know how to do some of the most basic things of life. And that includes how to build a home. Learning and the skills involved in how to build a home don't cost a cent. You don't, look, what I'm offering you now, I'm sure you could go to a therapist and pay thousands and thousands of dollars to learn. But let me give you some tips that cost you no money. And before you get to, you know, get married and start your own family and build your own home, you might want to begin to think about how you employ these skills right Mm. now so that you can make a home with no money make a home so that it's a home where you can uh, spend your life with the one you belong with and then together you can develop a home for your children where they know this is where i'm safe this is where i belong Mm. this is where i want to be okay some of the most basic skills in building a home cameron is to be able to say i'm sorry a home is built with those words. I'm sorry. Cameron, I am the father of three daughters, father of one son, husband of one wife, and probably those, if those, well, I, I'll tell you right now, without, without the ability to say those words to my children or to my wife, we would not have a home. We just would not have a home. I'm sorry. So here's my suggestion. In life, you can take the, you know, the, the high ground, the high road, and always assume that you're right and everyone, everyone else is wrong. But if you want to learn how to build a home, you are very quickly going to have to learn that there are times when you have to say, I'm sorry. Mm. This is what I've, I've learned about this, Cameron. People who don't really get that, they don't really get that in their heart. 
they their their initial response is, huh, I'm or I'm the one who's always saying sorry. It's about time they said sorry to me. When I hear that, I go, you you don't get this. You just don't get this. And this leads to the next point. How do you build a home with no money? How do you how do you do this? Well, here's the other skill that you need to do. And again, Cameron, it's not going to cost you a cent, but it's good to start practicing this now. Learn to listen. Learn to listen. I'm, I'm haunted a little bit by the story of the psychologist who tells of a family that was having all sorts of problems with a young girl in, in their family. And, and the parents came to the psychologist with their young girl and said, fix her. <laughs> mm. I've got to tell you, as a pastor, especially when I was a youth pastor, I, I had that story repeated quite a few times. Parents would bring their children and say, fix her. And I've got to tell you, in, in every instance, the problem was not the child's. The problem was the parents. Mm. The parents were doing something that caused a very natural reaction in the child. And the psychologist was astute enough to pick this up as well with these parents. And so rather than assuming that the parents had, you know, the, a total uh, picture of what was happening in their, their daughter's, their young daughter's life, I think she was still in primary school, and she was being rebellious and she was being hard to get along with and she was being withdrawn and she was being just precocious and just horrible. And the psychologist very quickly picked up what was what was really at play here. When, when he asked for the mother to leave the room and just for the dad and the daughter to be there, the psychologist pressed the dad, tell me about your work. And he said, well, I have a very high pressure job. He said, tell me about the hours you keep. He said, oh, I've long hours. Tell me, tell me what you do after work. He said, oh, I normally bring work home. I've got a lot of things to do. I've got deadlines to meet. I've got things to do. Tell me what you do on weekends. Well, normally I've, I've got to go into the office and I've got to get things sorted. And, and, and this was the story. The psychologist said, tell me about the last family holiday you went on. We, well, we don't have time for family holidays. We, I've got, my job is such that I've got to keep on top of it and da-da-da. Tell me what your daughter's favourite colour is. Well, I, I don't know. Ask her. Well, what's her favourite food? Oh, I don't know. What's her favourite song? I don't know. And the psychologist recognised very quickly that this the, the, the problem with the daughter was actually a problem with the father. Now, before there are, there are fathers just switching off the radio and going, oh, here we go again, father bashing. I am a father. <laughs> mm. And I've got to tell you, this is a lesson you've got to learn, fathers, to listen. And we don't get it right. And children often, I've got to tell you, as a dad, sometimes children don't think you're listening when in fact you are. So I understand how this works from both sides of the ledger. But this is what the psychologist did. He said, for the next three days, you are not to say a word to your daughter. Not to say a word. Do not speak to your daughter. All you are to do is to listen. You are not to tell her to be quiet. You are not to tell her enough is enough. <laughs> you are not to tell her you're not interested. 
whenever she speaks to you, you have to stop what you're doing and look her in the eye. Well, the dad, of course, thought this was utter nonsense because there, you know, he wasn't the one with the problem. It was his daughter who had the problem. Cameron, they came back a week later and the psychologist noticed that the daughter was smiling. Noticed that she was quite chirpy. And you can imagine what, what had happened over that past week. Mm. Three days where the father was just a little to his daughter. She told him things, eventually, told him things <laughs> that he didn't know. He found out some of the most trivial things. He found out, you know, like, I've got to tell you, the way girls talk, Cameron, I don't know if you've ever noticed, <laughs> some of the most trivial things. I don't know they can say that about me, but anyway. <laughs> well, she was just tickled pink mm. that her dad had mm. just spent the time listening to her and talking to her, well, letting her talk to him. And, and she was now a different girl. Can I tell you that if you want to build a home, you learn to listen and you can start that right now so that when you find the one you belong with and you begin to build the home where you belong and your children belong, mm. you develop this skill, you pick it up and it becomes one of those things that makes a home. Come on, let's come back after this song. We'll come down the home stretch mm-hmm. and we're going to give an analogy rooms of a, of a house and how that applies to building a home. Okay, we've got Michael Bublé coming up next with a song called Home. That's after uh, some more uh, words from uh, three of our highly valued sponsors. Bublé, my favourite of his, it's called Home. We're uh, into the last part of uh, today's uh, uh, Wednesday talk with Dr. Andrew Corbett today talking about how to build a home without money. And uh, there was a very, very touching story that uh, I, I was touched by just by listening to it that Andrew was giving us uh, about uh, um, the the father and the daughter. and Listening. Uh, yeah, listening. Being and, able to um, listen. Yeah. It's one of those things. That it does, it's not going to cost you a lot of money to learn how to listen. And when... When you consider that, you know, we spend an awful lot of money uh, on houses. Yes. And putting all the toys in houses. We spend an inordinate amount of money on it. That we, we, we rarely spend the stuff that counts. And I don't just mean money. I mean time and yep. effort. On building a home. Yeah. Cameron, when I, I guarantee if we were to go into Risden Prison and just do a survey, and, and, and the one question that we could ask, tell us about your home that you're raised in. Oh, man, I, I suspect we would get horror stories. Yeah. Horror stories. Well, if, and, and most of us know this. We know this intuitively, mm. that most of the, the social problems, in fact, Kim, my wife, a teacher for many years, taught in um, several of the schools around Launceston and northern Tasmania. Every, I mean, if, if we had teachers, if we just took teachers aside and said, okay, tell us about the kids that are a real problem in your class. Okay, now tell us what their home life is like. Oh, Cameron. I, I, I know this anecdotally to be true, that the kids who are usually the biggest problem in the class are the kids with the most fractured home. 
and I use the term home very loosely there. And it used to be when Kim was teaching uh, at the start of her career that Friday was the day when kids were exhausted from the week and they're a bit ratty and and that was that was always the difficult day. So schools often scheduled sport for Friday afternoon because the kids you know couldn't concentrate in the classroom and that was that was the best day to get them out, get them running around, kicking a soccer ball or yeah. you know throwing down a cricket ball or something like that. Well. Ask any teacher now, what's the, what's the ratty day? It's not Friday anymore. It's Monday. It's Monday, yeah. What's happened? Well, over the weekend, the kids have been to either mums or dads. And they've come back and they, they their, their world is off centre. They are out of kilter because they've been jerked from pillar to post. And these are kids that are growing up largely all... I, Gee, Cameron, you can take all the hate mail on this one, but I'll... Oh, thanks, I'll, mate. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. Parents often say, and the kids will often pick it up, you know, my child has two homes. I don't know that you can have two homes. I just don't know that that's possible. There, there is something in our heart that says, I just want to belong somewhere. I just want to belong there. And, and, and I'm saying that with a great deal of heartache, knowing that there are people, and, and for them, I am thinking of you. I'm thinking that... Okay, you're you're either you, you may have come out of a broken marriage, and then it was not what you wanted. This is not what you signed up for. It's affected you deeply. I, I know that for some people, they can say, you know, I'm I'm glad I'm out of that marriage, and that may well be true. But there is still a deep heartache over that. I, I'm I'm someone who last year participated, I think, in nine weddings, and I've already done one. I've got a few more coming up this year. I marry a lot of people, but I tell you what I won't do. I won't just do a wedding, Cameron. I just, as a matter of course, as a matter of just duty of care, I don't do weddings. And, and I'll explain to a couple, you know, your wedding, if we really take our time and draw it out, will go 45 minutes. Your marriage should last 45 years. So you tell me, where should we be putting in mm. the effort right now? Mm. For your wedding or for your marriage? I mean, it's a no-brainer. You, you want to put the effort in for your marriage. And... Really, that word marriage is the M in home, isn't it? It's, it's, that, it's the, the effort involved in building a, a strong marriage so that you can build a strong home. And many people approach marriage without any preparation whatsoever. Yeah. And it's, it's my experience that there are three main causes of marriages to break down, which, in other words, means homes break down. And one of those three causes, apart from a, a breach of trust and apart from uh, a breach of um, communication, is communication breakdown, is preparation. And you might think, well, what, what has preparation got to do with building a strong marriage? And I would say everything. Because if, you, if preparation in marriage is a matter of saying, we know where we're going. We know how we're going to get there. We know pretty much how we're going to respond to a situation when it arises, before it arises. We know that we have the skills to be able to resolve conflict. We know that we are prepared to be able to deal with differences. We know how we're going to deal with decisions, and so on and so on and so on. And this is the basis of building a home, that you, that you start with a strong marriage and when we talk about 
um, breaches of trust. For many couples, they, they have not really understood that there's all sorts of issues here involved in uh, trust. And before they get married, and, and, and you're just naive, absolutely naive, if you think it doesn't have a bearing on your married life. And anyway, Cameron, let me just give you a couple of pictures here, and then, and then we're done. And I hope people will get this. We've really just got the ball rolling. We have not exhausted this by any stretch. But I am absolutely convinced that Tasmania's entire fortunes, and I mean literally economic fortunes, I mean, could be turned around if we simply developed stronger homes. I'm not calling for a cent of government money. In fact, I don't want any government money to do this. We don't need government money to address this. It's simply a matter of speaking to a generation and saying to them, when you find the one you belong with and you begin to build your life together, you get married and it's an important part of the process because it provides a security that just living together cannot provide. And you you bring up you, you bring into the world your own children and you raise them. You you need to understand that the skills involved in doing that really demand that you know how to say, I'm sorry, you can you can begin to resolve conflict. Let, I want to listen to you to explain to me what you're thinking, what you're feeling, right? Listening. So there's, I'm sorry, I want to listen. And how can I serve you? How can I help you? Just those three things, Cameron, would make a huge difference. Don't cost a cent. Now, if we think about a house, I've mentioned before that a house has at least four walls, has boundaries. A home needs to have boundaries. There needs to be a regular a regularity to the home. You may be a skittish sort of person. You eat at whatever you, you know, you yes. go to bed at whatever time, whatever. But I tell you what, as soon as you, as soon as you get married, you develop a home, and you, you bring children to the world. You got to, you got to change, fella. You got to, you got to man up because now you got to have a. There is a certain regularity that children need, not just want. They need it. They need to have the the security that they know. Dinner time is it? You know what is it? Five thirty, six o'clock, whatever it is. Just. That's it. Lock it in, Eddie. And that sleep time is at this time. And it's, it's a regular fixed thing because it provides security. I want you to think about some of the rooms of a house. There's a lounge room. A home needs a place where you can lounge. What's, what, what does it mean to lounge? Well, it, it's that place where you're just at ease. You're just at ease. Because it, this is where you belong. You can be yourself. You can relax. You can just be at ease. Every every home needs a dining room, just as a house has a dining room. Every home needs a dining room. And it's not just about the food. I'm talking about a meal time together. As a married couple, you should eat your meal together. As a young family, you should eat your meal together, not in front of the television. I mean, in the movie, The, the Castle, you know, there's that famous line where it says, you know, at, at mealtime, the TV definitely got turned down and not off, but down. It's a very funny line. And, and obviously the writers are saying, you know, this is, this is what happens in, in many homes. That they, the, the TV's on in the background. They're watching the TVs. They're eating dinner. What a, that, that's not helpful. Turn the thing off. No phones at the table. <laughs> And just recognise that the meal is not about the food, it's about the time together, a dining room. And lastly, 
Cameron, every house has a bedroom or bedrooms. The parents' bedroom is a is a place for intimacy. It's a it's a place for uh, restoration of the relationship. There is more going on in a bedroom, oftentimes than sleep or intimacy. There is often reconciliation happening. There is more of the relationship and so on. But you know, a child's bedroom. There comes a point when children want to put things on the wall, and we're in a situation where okay, we own home. You can put whatever you want on the wall. It's fine within reason, and that becomes for them a part of uh, the bedroom. becomes a part of identity formation. But one of the things we do is we say, you know, while you're a child in our home during the daytime, unless you're getting changed, your bedroom stays open because you're still a part of the family. And we don't want you isolating yourself and retreating there because this is a home, not just a hidey hole in a mm. house. Cameron, I really hope people get this because I, tonight you'll hear on the news of some other social tragedy. Somebody hurt somebody, somebody did something, somebody robbed someone. And I've got to tell you, it traces right the way back to the home they were raised in. This is not meant to be a big stick taken to beat people up. This is meant to be something that says, look, we can do better, and this is how. So it's, it is a, it's a positive thing. We can positively build the homes of Tasmania and make a positive difference economically. Imagine if we didn't have to spend a cent on prisoning people, imprisoning people. Imagine multiplied millions that could go back into the economy if we didn't have to do that, and so on. And we could follow this all the way through the economy. This, this makes a huge difference. Can I thank our listeners again for their support at this time? Our donations generally just drop right off, and right now we could really use your help. We're gearing up to make a big impact this year. We need your help to do it. YFM is a worthy uh, missions-giving recipient. If you or your church are considering how you're going to spend your mission dollar this year, please consider YFM. We could really use your help. The money will be used very wisely. And Cameron, I'll thank you, and I'll be back next Wednesday with another discussion. All right, we'll talk to you then. Thank you, Dr. Andrew Corbett. A very challenging subject to digest this morning, and uh, you'll be able to download that from our website uh, at wayfm.org.au um, forward slash download. Uh, when we upload it, I'll be uploading that shortly, so that should be available soon. On YFM, it's 9.35. Get a look during Delta Goodrum up next with a song called Baini.